good to see everybody. Let's open in prayer. Father, we hope you uh, would bless our time together tonight. Lord, we're thankful uh, for the time to be together, to fellowship, to sing praise, to worship. Lord, I pray for our time of Bible study. Father, I pray that you would provide for us illumination, clarity of thought and speech. Father, I pray you'd help us as we seek continually to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, do you have, uh, real quick, I've got some of last week's handouts. Does anybody need last week's handout? Did you get one already? Uh, there may not be enough there, but if we need to get more, we can. We're going to pick up uh, where we left off last week. And uh, while that's being done, I'll, I'll go ahead and invite you after the service, if you haven't yet, if you walk out back, we've got the lights turned on. Uh, they've begun installing the modular. Uh, they've got, yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, they've gotten the, the old one moved and, and bucked down. They've got the new one installed and buckled down. And uh, they're working on the process. It'll be a couple of weeks, probably, by the time we get everything done. Could be as long as three. Uh, but uh, this much I know, I walked up in that building today, a lot of new room. Uh, those, four, those four classrooms and those two restrooms are very large, very ample, and so I'm excited about that. And um, uh, of course, I believe Brother Ronnie announced, but these next two to three Sundays, uh, couples are welcome to come in here with Dr. Deems. Uh, if you're currently in a class out there, Brother Michael's class or Brother Tim's class, uh, as a couple and you would like to experiment, uh, the men's class is available uh, right here in the first room, and Brother Joe would love to have you in there, and the ladies' class meets in the back. Um, one of the, well, I guess both of those, you guys are discussion-based, both of those are discussion-based uh, Bible studies, and uh, you're welcome to join in with them, and so... Uh, we're calling this, uh, this next few weeks preview, uh, so you can preview some of the other classes. I believe Brother Ronnie's going to have donuts and coffee in here in the main hall, and uh, we're just going to try to make it as comfortable as we can, and uh, uh, we'll be better off in the long run, so thankful for that. But I encourage you to go out and look, and, uh, uh, and don't judge the completed product yet. They, they're still working on them, so... Uh, but it's exciting to see it in place and even more exciting to know that everything that's sitting there right now is paid for, praise the Lord, and all the work that needs to be done can be paid for. We have the money to do it, so we're thankful for that and uh, praise the Lord for that. All right, so uh, we are picking up in, if you want to take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 11 will be the first passage. Uh, if you remember, and I'm not going to show the videos again this week, uh, if we get finished this week, we'll start a, a new video next week. Um, but if you remember, we are uh, looking at some of these uh, social media posts and, and maybe even along the way, we may look at some, um, maybe a snippet or two of some of these uh, prosperity style preachers and just look at some statements they make and look at the scriptural integrity of those statements. Uh, this particular uh, section that we're working on 
uh, the video that we watched, you remember the, the title for it was, Where Do White People Come From? Um, and, and again, in the end, the end comment was, we are all of the same race. That's a very true statement. Uh, the, the information that he used to get to that statement, not so true. And I wanted us to look at that. Uh, last week, we looked at creation of mankind. We looked at the first birth. We talked about the fact that they were probably twins. Uh, we looked at the survivors of the flood, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, from those three, we all come. We, we all go back to those three. We looked at the division of peoples in those three men, uh, Japheth being the, the European, basically the European race, uh, Ham being the Canaanite and African race, and Shem uh, being the Semitic race, the nation of Israel. And, and we're able to track that through the genealogies in the scriptures. A lot of times you're reading those genealogies and you think, you know, uh, shoot me, I don't want to read this or whatever. They're there so we can track these nations, primarily the nation of Israel to get to the Christ who is the promised seed that through him all blessings come on all nations. And if you keep that at the forefront of your mind, that's really the, the end game. Uh, but some of these other questions are questions to answer. Uh, after the division of peoples there in Genesis chapter 10, uh, they are uh, told, If look at chapter 9 verse 1 real quick, and let's just work our way through here for a moment. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, uh, the Lord, or the scripture says, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. You see that? Uh, so we think of replenish as purely procreation, but it's more than procreation. It was to fill the entire earth. They are to, they were to spread out. Okay, they were not to glump up. <laughs> they were to spread out. This is, and, and this happens more than once in the scriptures. It happens again uh, in the New Testament, with the New Testament church, they were to spread out. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, they were to spread out and they didn't. And so the Lord brought persecution that dispersed them, the diaspora, and so to spread the gospel. So this is uh, part of the issue here. In chapter 11 uh, of Genesis, we, we see there in chapter 9 that God says to them, go fill the earth. When we come to chapter 11, the, the very first few verses of chapter 11, and the whole earth was one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, that is Babylon, or Babylonia, and they dwelt there. That's where they all stopped. They all just kind of gathered up in that area. And... So we, we come to this Genesis 11, and Genesis 11, and this is the Tower of Babel. It's the scattering of peoples. And this is where the languages come from. And I know that this is very elementary. This is how you answer questions that, that typically gender strife. You look hermeneutically through the Scriptures. So, so they come to this plain of Shinar. They dwelt there. 
And they said to one another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had uh, brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach up to heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. That's exactly what the Lord commanded them to do and they are doing exactly the opposite. Sounds like raising a teenager, doesn't it? Uh, it's, they're doing exactly the opposite of what God told them to do. And so this, their idea of this, this tower or this ziggurat uh, to reach way up into the clouds uh, so that they could reach the heavens and, and be higher than God. That's the general idea behind it. And of course, that's completely wrong within the scriptural uh, desires of God for the peoples of the earth. And so the Lord comes down, verse 5, the Lord came down to the city and the tower which the children of men had built, builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, they have all one language, and this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore the name is called Babel, because they sounded like they were babbling. It's very straightforward. It's not hard to comprehend. By the way, it's always been the sinful desire of men driven by the sin nature and Satan to have one language, one nation, one government, and one religion. It started that way. It will end that way. Read the book of Revelation. And so this is nothing new. It shouldn't be hard for us to comprehend that was their desire. They were working towards that. God said, no, we're not going to do that. He scatters them. And so we could say, okay, why are they scattered? Well, uh, partly because of Genesis 9-1. They were supposed to fill the earth. Primarily uh, because they, they unified against God. That was the reason for the scattered. That this is the actual division of people groups and languages that, that lends itself to the term everybody calls race. And again, there's only one race. But that term was introduced in the 1700s and it became a, a general part of our language. The land is then divided by language and group. Look at Genesis 10:25, just right up the page there. And we can see it again as well in, on down in chapter 11. But in Genesis 10:25, it says, And unto Eber were born two sons, the name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided. Do you see that? Okay, so uh, you, you may have heard in the past, I know I have, uh, that in, the day, in that day is when the continents and separated and all that. Uh, that used to be taught, it may still be taught, I don't know. Uh, that's typically not right. Uh, what we see is division of continents and such as that probably took place in the flood. Uh, what this means is that the land was divided by nations and languages. In his day, the land was divided by nations and languages. It's pretty interesting if you go back 
I didn't print this out. I did a little reading on this over the last few days. Uh, but you can, you can actually go back to uh, some original documents of the Babylonian Empire, and they'll date to about this time, around 2300. And that would have been when they started building the city. And so uh, this is the division of the language and the people groups. Uh, Peleg's name literally means division or to split or to separate. Uh, and Abraham's lineage is part of Peleg. So look at chapter 11, verse 25 uh, or 26. Well, we'll pick up at 18. Peleg lived 30 years and begat Reu. And Peleg lived after he begat Reu 209 years and begat sons and daughters. Reu lived 230 years and begat Sarag. And Reu lived after he begat Sarag 207 years and he begat sons and daughters. Sarag lived 30 years and begat Nahor. And Sarag lived after he begat Nahor 200 years and begat sons and daughters. Nahor lived nine and 20 years and begat Terah. And Terah uh, lived 70 years and begat Abraham, okay, or Abram. So that's the line of Shem. That's the nation of Israel. So if somebody says, I'm part of the nation of Israel, uh, not unless they can tie themselves to the Semitic race. That's it. Uh, spiritual Israel doesn't exist. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a fallacy. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that they are spiritual Israel. They practice a replacement theology. The, the Mormons basically believe that. Uh, they would tell you the Native American Indians were part of the 12, 12 tribes and they're kind of connected with that. They've replaced Israel. Israel's not been replaced. There's nowhere in the scripture that teaches that Israel's been replaced. In fact, everywhere you read, they've been set aside to be restored. Everywhere. If you read everywhere. If you only read somewhere, <laughs> you may come up with the idea that they've been replaced. But that's not where it's at. So uh, we see this, this is where that lineage begins. From that scattering of people, some of those peoples were scattered up into the European continents. Some of those people were scattered down into Egypt and the African continents. And they had their own languages. They had their own ways. They were part of Ham or Japheth. And everybody that is somebody come from those three people. That's, that's how it is. And most of them live in Snellville. So, all right. Uh, Genesis 16, because in Snellville, everybody is somebody, right? And then what they say? Uh, look at Genesis 16. Let's keep moving because we're still looking for this idea. We, we're considering this idea of where did white people come from and you remember we we thought last week okay well if we're asking that then who is an Israelite who is a Jew uh, uh, who is Israel and so these are the questions that we're looking at where do these tribes and tongues come from and so in Genesis 16 another very familiar passage uh, Sarah Sarah and Abram have been for some time for her womb to be opened. It has not been opened yet according to God's plan. And so she says, I've got an idea. Uh, why don't you take my handmaid Hagar and go in unto her? And he does. Uh, and the, the birth of that child, that's Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael 
uh, comes out, Abram treats him like the promised son. Uh, in his mind, for that moment, he was the promised son. In fact, when God told him there was going to be another, he basically said, let's just do it with this one. And God says, no, uh, he's not the promise. Uh, Isaac is the promise, and he's coming. And so what we have there uh, in Genesis 16, the birth of Ishmael, and if you read a little further, if you look at 1720, uh, just turn over a couple of pages in Genesis 17, verse 20. And as for Ishmael, this is God speaking to Abram. Abram is, is uh, uh, negotiating on Ishmael's behalf, looking for a blessing. And God says, as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. He is the Arab nations. Not only is he the Arab nations, uh, he is, uh, by and large, the Muslim language, and, or the Muslim religion, pardon me, and they track their ancestry back to Abraham, just like the Jew tracks their ancestry back to Abraham. They just had to write another Bible to pick up the genealogy to make it work for them. Uh, but that's where they get it. So uh, why do we have, why is there continual fighting and contention in the Middle East because Isaac and Ishmael can't get along. They won't ever get along. It's just not going to happen. And so there's all sorts of thoughts and questions and decisions that go into that truth, but the bottom line truth is there will never be Middle East peace. Uh, in fact, I believe it probably, uh, it would probably be, fall into that category of when they say peace, peace, then sudden destruction. Because it's just not going to happen over there. Uh, those two religions are going to buy against each other forever uh, until the Lord answers it. So look at Genesis 21. We're just walking along here. Uh, Abram and Sarah are getting older. And by Genesis 21, their name has been changed uh, to Abraham and Sarah instead of Sarai. And in Genesis 21, uh, we have the birth of Isaac. And you know the story. Uh, they were old, uh, 90 plus years old. Uh, from a womb that was dead came something alive. And Isaac is born. His name means laughter because literally Sarah laughed uh, when the angel of the Lord told her that she was going to have it. But more than laughter, he is the promise. He is the promised son. And so... There we have the birth of Isaac. We're getting to Jacob and Esau. That's where we're heading. We're working in that direction. Look at Genesis 24. Uh, and what we're skipping over there, I would encourage you to read this if you haven't read it lately. Because in the middle of all that, um, Abraham offers Isaac. The ram is caught in the thicket. Beautiful, beautiful picture of the cross of Calvary and the gospel story and the resurrection there. Uh, there is the go, the, the Eleazar, the faithful servant, picture of the Holy Spirit, goes and finds a bride for Isaac, the promised son. And the bride is us, the church. And uh, he woos her with all of the promises of the, the son, of the, the father's son and the wealth. And beautiful, beautiful pictures. Not dusty, dry Old Testament, but pictures of how we became and who we are. And so we get to Genesis 24. In Genesis 24, there's the marriage of Isaac 
Rebecca again. That includes Eleazar and the camel train and, and just beautiful pictures. And they are married. And uh, Abraham is remarried at this time. Has more sons and daughters with Keturah. Uh, more nations created. Genesis 25, the birth of Jacob and Esau. This is how we got started on this conversation. She's praised to be uh, with child. She becomes with child. In verse 22 of Genesis 25, it says, And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations, not races, nations, are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out, red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came out his brother, and his, his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. It tells that Esau was a man of carnality. He was a hunter, a cunning man. I've heard people represent Esau as being stupid or ignorant. That's wrong. Uh, he was not. Uh, he was carnal. And they would say, well, he was ignorant. He gave away his birthright for something to eat. No, he was carnal. The birthright didn't mean anything to him. And he was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a shepherd, uh, uh, a plain man. And uh, there, it, it, there is some truth. I've heard people characterize Jacob as a mama's boy and Esau as a daddy's boy. There's some truth in that. Uh, that you can see that in the scriptures, um, but that's not a character statement, <laughs> no more than it is about one of us, right? It's just who they were. And so we have this picture of Jacob and Esau. Esau's name means hairy. He was a hairy kid. He apparently was a hairy man. He was hairy enough that in order to fool a a badly sighted old Isaac, they wrapped goat skin around Jacob's arms and he thought that was Esau. We talking about a hairy guy? I mean, furry, right? He was furry. There was a lot there. He, we talk about the, the Edom, that the means red. Uh, they began calling him that because he sold his birthright for a bowl of red lentil pottage. And so he kind of got that nickname, Red. I'll tell you something that's interesting. Uh, our, our featured video, not only that featured video, but some other things I read last week, stated that he was described as red and hairy all over because he was different, and that was the first different child that had ever been born, that all other children were darker and he was pink and red and hairy all over is how they were saying it. Uh, however, uh, any, anybody want to guess what the name Adam means? 
Does it sound like Edom? It's because it means basically the same thing. So Adam wasn't red, particularly, but his name meant red. Esau's name meant red because he liked red pottage a lot, apparently. Uh, and so we, we have this, this development. Jacob's name, obviously supplanter, and his name was changed to Israel. You can read that in Genesis chapter 32. So we, we have, we've, we've gotten caught up. We've got these two boys. Now turn to Romans chapter 9. And I want to go ahead and tell you, this is not an exegesis or an exposition of Romans chapter 9. We would have had to start a couple of days ago if we were going to do that. Uh, but I want, to I want to show you the problem that a lot of people have. So, we have these two boys. That's what they are. Okay, they're, to begin with, they're babies, then they're little boys, then they're young men, and then they're men. And by the end of Genesis 32, 35, they're... They're about their old men. Uh, they're just guys that were born, twins. Uh, one of them was a plains guy and loved his mom, and the other one was a hunter, loved his daddy. His daddy loved him. Um, there was a thing about the younger and the elder, and I'll explain that in a moment. But by and large, they're just boys. In, in Romans chapter 9, Paul is, is writing about a particular subject, and in verse 13... Uh, well, let's step back to verse 10. Verse 10 of Romans chapter 9. This little passage here troubles a lot of people. And by the way, it was featured in the video if you heard it. Uh, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac, for the children not yet born, being not yet born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, and it is written, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Okay, so does that sound odd that God's picking on these two little twin babies? And he said, One of them I love, one of them I hate. Over the years, I've heard this description or, or this uh, somewhat of a, a pseudo exposition that, well, you know, you have to look at what the word hate means, and hate doesn't mean hate. Hate means love less, and it's the same hate that's used when the Lord said, if you, if you don't hate your family and love the Lord, then you can't be one of my disciples. That means hate means love less, and so on and so forth. But there's, there's one huge disclaimer that most people never tell you. Paul is quoting Malachi the prophet, who wrote that passage under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit more than 2,000 years after those boys were born. So God didn't say, Esau, or Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Particularly, what He really said was, Israel have I loved and Edom have I hated. Because He's talking about the nation. This is dealing with corporate election, not individual election. 
this election that, that they're talking about here of where, where neither one had done anything right or wrong, so it wasn't uh, good or evil, it wasn't part of them, it was according to election. That election is not the election unto salvation. It was the election of the nation of Israel as God's chosen people. And it had been done over and over. It started, it would have started with Abel. It did start with Seth. Then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. Then, then it was Noah. Then it was Shem. Then it was Abram. Then it was Isaac. Then it was Jacob. You with me? It was the election corporately of that people, that genealogical line that would provide the seed that was promised in Genesis 3.15. And so it's not that while you're in the womb, God determines that He hates you and condemns you for, for eternity to hell whether you choose Him or not. That, this passage has nothing to do with that. Uh, look back at, in chapter 9 of Romans. Look back to verse 1. Context is everything. Look back at verse 1 of chapter 9. I say, this is Paul talking. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen. Do you see that? According to the flesh, who are Israelites? This entire passage is predicated on the idea that we're talking about the nation of Israel, not the individual believer. So God never... Let, let's ask that question. It, why does God love Jacob and hate Esau? That's one question I wrote down here. Well, again, uh, he loved one nation and hated the other, and it was 2,000 years after those boys were gone. So that's the answer to that. Uh, why does God hate Edom or Esau? Why does God hate him? Well, there's several reasons, but and if you don't want to turn, you don't have to. If you're lazy, that's okay. I don't mind. Uh, Numbers chapter 20. Let's go right there first and get that one first. Because this basically sets the stage for all of the wars that have been fought since. Um, Numbers chapter 20. So in Numbers chapter 20, Moses is still leading the children of Israel. They have yet to go into the promised land. Uh, they, are, they are in their 40 years of journeying, uh, likely near the end, and, and they're passing through. And Now remember, Esau is a Hebrew, so to speak, but he was the other line. He never went into captivity. Uh, Esau, there were a number of kings and dukes of Edom long before Israel ever had a king. They settled Mount Seir. Mount Seir was between where Moses was and where Moses wanted to be. Moses appealed to the king of Edom. said, hey, can we pass through? We'll stay on the highway. We won't drink any of your water. We won't eat any of your fields. We won't bother any of your animals. We just need to pass through. And the king of Edom said, no. That's his brother. 
Look at verse 18. And Edom said unto him, Thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with a sword. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the highway. And if I and my cattle drink of the water, we'll pay you for it. I, I will only, uh, I will only, uh, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. And he said, Thou shalt not go through. And Edom come out against him with much people and with a strong hand. And Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border, wherefore Israel turned away from him. All right? Uh, it's a huge blow to the relationship right there. Uh, these are, they're cousins. And he says, no, you can't come through. You're talking about a couple million folks, women and children and animals, just trying to get somewhere. And no, you can't come this way. You've got to go a different way. So that started uh, the issue. It, later on, when Nebuchadnezzar came in and took Jerusalem, uh, Mount Seir, Edom was above. And as the people would flee, they would capture them and give them to the Babylonians. And uh, after that was all finished, uh, they moved down and occupied that territory and kind of uh, enjoyed the spoils of war. And this was Babylon conquering Israel, and this is their brother Edom up here. Not only helping, but profiting off of. And so when that happened, uh, that created a, a, an eternal schism between the Jews and the Edomites. But not only that, it brought about a judgment from God. And throughout the scriptures, and we, we can't go there all this, you're going to have to you're gonna have to do a little bit of this work on your own. Throughout the scriptures, you'll see where God calls Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to discipline Israel and then disciplines them later for the way they disciplined Israel because they went too far or did too much. And, and that happens over and over. And a lot of your prophets and your minor prophets, that's what that is. That is woes and cursings on these neighboring nations that, that God gave the opportunity to be used as one of his tools and then they did too much. They went too far. And Edom inherited some of that status. And so uh, I've included it there in, on your handout, but you can read the judgment against Edom in Amos uh, chapter 1. You can read the, the little prophet of Obadiah. It's one chapter. Uh, Ezekiel 25 and 35 talks about it. Uh, Malachi chapter 1 talks about it. And... Um, the, the, the one, I guess, that I didn't have listed there for you is Jeremiah chapter 49 talks about it. But this is what it says. Uh, you're not going to exist anymore. We're just, God's just going to do away with them. Uh, and by and large, they, they, he did. Uh, let me tell you uh, one other little detail, and I, I don't have this in my notes, so this is just because I remember it and... Others probably know much more about it, but Herod, Herod uh, 
and the Herodian family, they were Edomites. They were Idumeans, actually, but that's mainly a Edomite. Great atrocities against the Jewish people. So that's why 2,000 years later God would say, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Didn't have anything to do with the boys. In fact, uh, you can go and read in Genesis chapter 36 and you can answer the question, did God hate Esau? And the answer is no, because he blessed him and made him fruitful. I mean, he was a, he was a powerful guy and a fruitful guy. In fact, you can't even rightly defend the Edomites and the Idumeans for their hatred of the Jews because in the end, Esau didn't hate Jacob. They, they were together again and then they went their separate ways, but it sounded pretty loving. I got seven brothers. It sounded like something like I would do. It's good to see you. Keep moving, big man. Call me. <laughs> so uh, they, they weren't even that hateful against each other. And then the other thing in Romans, uh, this is another one that they, in fact, the video referred to it. Uh, the, the, elder, the, young, the elder shall serve the younger. So uh, there's, a, there's a principle in the scriptures. I know you guys think we're long, but I've got four minutes left. There's a principle in the scriptures, and it's established very early, and it's the principle of the second. And uh, Abel was chosen of God, right? He was accepted to God. He was the second. I've done this before. I know some of you remember it. Uh, who was the first king of Israel? Saul. Who was the best king of Israel? David. He was the second. Esau was born first, but Jacob, he was the second. And you go through the scriptures. Can I tell you something that... That principle establishes uh, the new man. So you're born, physically born as a sinner. But when the Holy Spirit woos you and if you receive Christ as your Savior, you're born again. Ephesians chapter 2 says quickened. And Paul says you are a new creature. You're the second man. That's the one God accepts. So there's, there's, a, there's a hermeneutical principle to, de, to define why the elder would serve or the young elder would serve the younger. There, there's also this question of in their life, in Jacob and Esau's life, did Esau ever serve Jacob? Does anybody know the answer to that? In your studies, if you will read Genesis 33, uh, Jacob has got his whole band coming back. He has sent all kinds of livestock forward to Esau because Esau was hairy all over. He was a big bad dude and the last time Jacob saw him, he said, I'm going to kill you. And so Jacob is approaching Esau and he's sending these livestock and sending these servants and, and Esau finally gets to him face to face and Esau's like, man, what is all this stuff you've been sending? 
They're for you, my Lord. And he bowed himself on the ground. That specifically is the younger serving the elder rather than the elder serving the younger. It did not come to pass in their life because it wasn't for them. It was a far prophecy. And it was relative corporately to the nation of Israel. And so we, we have to understand as we read the scriptures, they are literal, but we have to know literally what they are. You have to have some background and uh, for, for years you've heard me and, and others say that the, the old is, the new is in the old concealed. It's in there. The New Testament is in there. It's just concealed. And the old is in the new revealed. So we have to be an ambidextrous Christian. So what's the conclusion? We wrap this thing up. I want you to turn one more time. Please turn with me. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 17, verse 26. This is the conclusion. This is the, this is the answer. So, uh, we, we, one of the questions we asked last week is, if race is not a thing, is racism a thing? There's an absolute yes there. there it absolutely is a thing. It has been a thing forever. As soon as one person became stronger than the other, that thing began happening. And it's happened uh, to all sorts of races, and, and if you want to use that term, over the years, uh, it's, it's been ugly because it's in nature. So it is a thing. Well, why do we experience it? Well, we experience it because of the sin nature. Look what Paul says in Acts, or excuse me, uh, Luke says in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And hath made one blood, of one blood, all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. Do you see that? It's made of one blood, all nations. It's a sin problem. It's not anything else but a sin problem. When we think about in the church, and you, don't, you guys don't hear me talk about this a lot. I, I don't, if you talk to me outside of the pulpit, you might hear me talk about it. But, uh, so this, this has been going on for a couple of years. I would recommend if you want to read, um, if you like to read uh, Vadi Balkum's book on fault lines, uh, Albert Moeller has got a book on the coming, uh, I forget what it's called, I've got a copy of it, if you want to see it, I'll let you take a picture of it and you can get you one. Um, Vadi Balkum says that uh, racism and anti-race, uh, anti-racism is the new cult in the church. It, it should never be in the church. Because there's no such thing as race. What we should be doing in the church is teaching the whole counsel of God. And then when we think about uh, within the church, the, the view should be in accordance with 
Galatians 3.28, that they're neither Jew nor Greek. It it should be uh, in the church towards society. The view ought to be in accordance with 1 Corinthians 10.32 or Ephesians 2. Which is, you know, uh, they're either saints or they're ain'ts. And if, if they're lost, if they're yet to be saved, if they've yet to accept Christ, that's really all that matters to the church. Because the church is not a political party. And it's not a political arm of, of the nation. It's, it's the church. And so... Literally, one race composed of three types of folks. The Jew, the Gentile, and the church. And in this age, the church age, which began at Pentecost and will end at the rapture, if you are in the church, you're the church. You're not a Jew or a Gentile. If you're not in the church and you were born of Jewish lineage, you're a Jew. If you were not born of Jewish lineage, you're Gentile. Very, very, very simple. So I hope that that has been helpful. I hope you'll take um, those notes and study them out. If anybody wants a copy of this note sheet, you don't have it, you're welcome to make a copy of it. Um, Next week, we'll look at a different video. And hopefully it will not have anything to do with race or homosexuality. I would like to stay away from both of those for a little while. So I've got a couple of videos that I'm studying right now, and we'll do that next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for your truths. Help us, Lord, to learn. Help us to grow. Help us to to live eyes wide open, Lord, so that we'd see people as they are, uh, either in need of a Savior, uh, Lord, or not. And Father, if not, then family. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we approach our day-to-day. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.